Well, if you brought your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn to uh, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read a verse of scripture there, and uh, we'll come back to Genesis chapter 2 a little later, and then we'll look at Matthew chapter 19. Look, if you will, at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and I want to read verse 28. Genesis 1, verse 28, And God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve. God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Notice what he said. Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. And now, if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. We'll look at verse 4. Matthew 19, these are the words of Jesus. And he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together Let not man put asunder. A few weeks ago, Judy and I was having breakfast, restaurant, and muscle shows. I was enjoying some small talk with the waitress. Judy was looking over the menu. And while we were talking, the subject of marriage came up. And she asked, how long have you two been married? Well, I looked at Judy She kind of looked over the menu and mouthed 43. So I said, 43 years. (laughs) Still play it safe, Brother Philip. And the young lady said, she said, well, I'm working really hard to reach 50 years. This morning, it's almost impossible for us to honor our mothers without considering the institution of marriage. In Matthew 19, Jesus teaches about just the basic concept of marriage. Now, to understand how couples can reach that 50-year point, the golden anniversary, and some of you have already reached that, gone beyond that. But for us to understand how we can enjoy the full benefits of the institution of marriage, we have to know basically about three things. Number one, what is marriage, the purpose of marriage, and then the pillars that marriage is built upon. So first of all, what is marriage? Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. Jesus speaking, 
Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Now, marriage is something that's not new. Marriage has its beginning at the time of creation, at the time of the creation of the world. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And he, God, said, I will make him a helpmate. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Bible says that he created, he, God, created woman. Genesis 2, verse 22. If you will, look at that just for a moment. Let's go back. I want you to see it. Genesis chapter 2. And look, if you will, at verse 22 and uh, following. Genesis 2, verse 22. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made a woman and brought her unto man. And Adam said, verse 23, chapter 2 of Genesis. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. The point being, marriage is a divine institution. Marriage created by God and not by man. Marriage was created by God, not by man, but for man. For mankind at the time of creation. Then biblical marriage is between man, male, and a woman, female. Now, Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 4. And he, Jesus, answered and said, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Verse 5, and he said, For this cause shall a man, the male, leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Verse 6, Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So marriage is not a contract between a man and a woman. Marriage is not a human agreement. Marriage is a relationship in which God changes the state of a man and a woman from being single, no longer two, but changes them into where they become one. They are unified in a mysterious way that belongs to no other human relationship. They are one flesh. Now, when he uses the term one flesh, uh, this includes a sexual union between the husband and the wife, but it means much more than that. It means that they have left their parents. Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So they leave their parents, and they establish a new family. And they, in doing so, become one, one flesh. Therefore, the primary loyalty is now to each other. 
not to anyone else, but to each other. Their primary loyalty. They have become, as the Bible refers to, husband and wife. And so the point is, marriage was designed by God, marriage was defined by God, and marriage was instituted by God, and it is a divine, holy institution. And God will never change His concept of marriage. So first of all, in order to enjoy the benefits of marriage, you have to know what marriage is. It's a divine institution, dating all the way back to the creation of this world, instituted by God Himself for mankind. Secondly, I jotted down, what's the purpose of marriage? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he made an interesting statement. He said, And God blessed them, meaning man and woman, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And so at the very beginning, God intended man and woman, husband and wife, to be fruitful and to multiply, increase in number. God intended man and woman to populate a peopleless earth and to fill an earth that was void by people. And his primary responsibility, man and woman, was procreation was to replenish the earth, is to fill the earth with people, to populate the earth. Now, today is Mother's Day. This is a day that's been set aside that we can honor our mothers. And we honor them for several reasons. But we honor them for giving birth to us. We honor them for taking care of us in our childhood years our teenage years, our young adult years, up to adult years. Our mothers took care of us. Our fathers did to a point, but it was mothers who primarily took on that responsibility to take care of us. And then they taught us. They taught us the ways of God. My mother is the one that taught me how to pray. My mother's the one that came in every night and knelt down beside my bed and led me in a little prayer that went something like this. Now, Lord, lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I shall die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, in that prayer, I don't know the theology and how sound that is to some degree, but she was teaching me how to pray. She taught me how to read my Bible. She taught me the importance of reading my Bible. She really dwelt on me learning the Scripture, especially the one. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long on the earth. I heard that <laughs> quite often. Where's Judy? Yeah, you know. And uh, she, that was her favorite verse. But then I would quote, well, it also says, you know, <laughs> parents, don't provoke your children to wrath. <laughs> There's part B to that, Mom. She said, I won't talk about B. I'm talking about A. <laughs> but 
But she taught me the importance of the Scripture and how to read my Bible and why I should read my Bible. And I remember my first Bible, a little white Bible. Any of y'all used to get the little white Bibles in my age? We got those little white Bibles. And everybody, you go, to, you go to Sunday school and everybody, all the children had those little white Bibles. Taught me the importance of those Bibles. And the Bible, and God's Word. Taught me how to pray. Taught me, taught me uh, a lot of things about God that I wouldn't have known today or had to find, would have found out some other way. But listen, men and women, children are a blessing from the Lord. The Bible puts it this way. He says, the person is blessed that has a quiver full of them. He compares it to an archer who has a quiver hanging on his back. And his, his quiver is just full of arrows. How sad the archer to have a, a quiver with only one or two arrows. Blessed is the one who has a quiver full of them. So... A children, children are a blessing from the Lord. They're not to be looked on as a burden. They're not to be looked upon as a hardship or an accident. They're not to be looked upon as a curse. The Bible says, blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. You see, in the beginning of human history, children were thought of as a blessing from God. A blessing from God. Women wept and agonized over the fact that they were barren. They felt as though some way God was punishing them because they were not able to have children. They longed for and looked for children. And today, America has changed so much in regards to how God looks upon children in the home. America, can you imagine America leads all the... Uh, the industrialized nations in, in uh, abortion. I was looking last night in that, um, you know, 1.2 million abortions per year. And I am happy to say that, that, that we're down like uh, uh, a quarter percent uh, since 2011. It is coming down. People are understanding uh, respect for children and human life more than... We did a few years ago. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. You know, it says to be fruitful and multiply. And so in America today, we have to be careful that we're not killing our future. I understand that there are those today who would love to have children, but for medical reasons and physical reasons, uh, they're unable to have children. Judy and I experienced that when we first got married. However, there are a number of ways today that people can make a positive impact in a child's life through adoption and foster care and volunteer work and orphanages and teaching kids in church and teaching children in, in school and being father figures and mother figures. But children are a blessing from God. And the whole purpose of marriage was pre to, to challenge man and woman to replenish the earth. So what is marriage? And what is the purpose of marriage? And let me close with this. What's the pillars of marriage? What does marriage rest upon? In order to have a godly marriage, 
What should your marriage rest upon? I don't know how many of you that I've married that are here today. I think I've married, last time I looked, I think it was like um, 76, had 76 weddings over the years. But, and I, and I counsel with uh, people before, I'm, before we perform the ceremony to let them understand the importance of marriage and what marriage is all about. I don't try to talk people out of marriage. I just want them to understand what marriage is about. And I usually mention three things. I'll mention those to you. First of all, in order to have a successful marriage, God has to be first in both of your lives. That is a must. Um, That's why it's called holy matrimony. If God's not first in your life, it's not going to work. Because marriage was designed for God to be first in your life. If you don't have God first in your life, then you have wholly everything else besides matrimony. And He must be first in both of your lives. If I put Christ first in my life, I don't have a problem pleasing Judy. If she puts Christ first in her life, she don't have a problem pleasing me. Because we're trying to please the Lord and do what's right in God's Eyes, and by doing that, we please each other. And so in order to have a successful marriage, in order for a marriage, for people to idolize your marriage and, and desire to have a marriage just like your marriage, then Christ, first has to, Christ has to be first in your life. So today's Mother's Day. Mothers, make sure Christ is first in your life. Fathers, make sure Christ is first in your life. Make sure your children don't grow up and at at the end of your life to stand and say, well, my mother wasn't a godly mother. My mother didn't know Christ as her Savior. Judy and I were speaking this week about a situation that came up during the week of a young child that didn't understand what baptism was. And most children that age should have known what baptism was about if they were been raised in a godly home, a Christian home. And it's sad. It really is to see how the children are affected because of the godliness of the parents. So let me encourage you to put Christ first in your life. And then secondly, love each other with an agape love. You know, the Bible teaches there's three loves There's a filial love, that's a friendship love. And then there's the eros love, that's the sexual, the sensual love. Then there's the the agape love, that's a self-sacrificing love. And so we in English today, we only have one word for love, L-O-V-E, love. But the Greeks had those three words. Filio, friendship love, that's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's good to have friendship love, but a marriage won't last with just friendship love. I have couples to tell me, he's my best friend or she's my best friend. That's good that you're friends, but a marriage won't last on friendship love. Eros love is where we get the English word erotic, sensual love, sexual love. Marriage cannot be built just on erotic love. And then you have the agape love. 
that self-sacrificing love. For God so agape the world. He didn't friendship the world. He didn't eros the world. But he agape the world. He gave his only begotten son. A self-sacrificing love. And then Ephesians, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He didn't say befriend your wives. He didn't say uh, erotic, love your wives. But he says love, agape your wives. How? Like Christ loved the church. How did he do that? He gave his life for the church. If you give your life for your, for your bride, for your wife, and, and she knows you're willing to do that, this submissive problem you may be having won't be a problem at all. It won't be a problem at all because she will know you have her best interest in mind. She knows you love her above everyone else and everything else, and you're willing to sacrifice your own life for her. My goodness. What woman would not love to have a husband like that? So you have Christ first. You love each other with agape love, and then you trust each other. If you've noticed recently in our, in our nation, integrity kind of has been thrown out the window. Integrity, trust, trust each other. Let me just go ahead and say this. If you ever break that trust, if you ever break that integrity, you'll be blessed to live long enough to get it back. It's very difficult to get back. And so don't break the trust. Don't break the integrity between husband and wife to begin with. Although it may be something simple, the integrity is broken. So let me encourage you to maintain that integrity. And so as Judy and I started out of the, I'll confess, Waffle House, <clears throat> I said to the waitress, Hey, I'll be praying for you that you'll reach that 50 years. And she said, I'm working hard on it. I'm really working hard on it. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you working hard on it? Are you? To reach that 50, to reach those golden years and go beyond that, understand what marriage is. It's not of man but it's divinely created, instituted by God. Know what it is. Know what it's for. It's to be a blessing to children, either your own or those that are around you. And then third, the main palace, put God first, agape love second, and then trust and have the integrity that you need to maintain in your own personal life. My prayer one day is that all of you here will be able to reach that 50th anniversary. Let's have a prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to think about marriage on this Mother's Day. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you've spoken to our hearts. And so this morning, this will be a time of recommitment, Lord, uh, as... as those of us who are married, that we would recommit our lives to you and to each other. For those who are planning to be married, Father, I pray, Lord, they've understood today, Lord, in order to receive the benefits of a godly marriage, what's expected of them. 
And so, Father, I pray, Lord, for each person today. I pray that you've spoken to our hearts. I pray for all of us, Father, those with children, those without, that we would be a minister to children. You've created us, Lord, and you've put little children here for us to minister to in different ways. And we hope and we pray, Lord, today that we'll reach out to those children, that we'll teach them, Lord, about you and about your ways, that one day as they grow, that they'll come to know Christ. And, Lord, in their own relationship with their wife, their husband, Lord, their children, that we can see godly homes springing up everywhere because we paid attention to them. Thank you for what you're going to do today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.